Last week we concluded the biography of Jesus saying that it isn't what you think it is. We, we concluded the biography of Jesus isn't just what's documented in the Bible. The Bible is where the stories are, where the lessons are, and the commandments are recorded. But the real biography, the best and most powerful way that the story is told is through you, through your words and through your life. How you live reflects the one that created you, the one who saved you, and the one who sustains you. Reading the Bible for yourself is the best way to know the nature of God. Praying and listening for response is the best way to understand the will of God. And studying the life of Jesus and modeling it before others is the best way to show the love of God. The best way to live is to do so as a true disciple, passionately pursuing the Lord's will in all that you do. And last week I challenged you, I challenged all of us, including myself, to ask ourselves this question. Am I a hearer or a follower? Are you a spectator or a disciple? If you weren't happier and confident in your answer, I hope you did something to change that this week. And if you didn't, then good news, you have another opportunity, God willing, to make these improvements in your life. And I close by reading the scripture, Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, Jesus' ministry is carried out and carried on by you. This is a part of his legacy and it should be yours as well. But this is what we're going to talk about this morning and it goes hand in hand with mission. A search in my concordance resulted in absolutely zero uses of the word legacy in the Bible, at least in all the translations I looked at. The closest I could find was a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Said, That's the closest I could find on legacy. Talked about inheritance. And I'd argue that inheritance isn't really legacy. Now, it may be uh, the way that a person is legally entitled to something or something you legally leave for someone else, but but someone can leave an inheritance of any type, of any amount to, to someone, and that person may not even be aware of it until they're gone. You know, I think of these movie scenes where the, the guy picks up the phone and he is from some far-off lawyer who says, you didn't know you had this great-great-uncle that, that you know, your family's estranged from, but he left millions of dollars to you, right? That's, that's not the way it happens. But that's what I think of with inheritance. It's possible that there's inheritance planned for you that you're not aware of. And certainly the inheritance of the kingdom that that God has for us is something we're aware of. But when I want to talk about legacy, legacy is something that, that you're actually keenly aware of because it is top of mind throughout time. In my case, my parents may or may not leave me inheritance. Honestly, I just settle on them living forever. But I can tell you what their legacy is, what my parents' legacy is. It is the importance of God and the value of family. This isn't because it's something they told me, but it was demonstrated. My brothers and I were raised in the church, and many of our social circles from the time we were preschool through high school age revolved around our church activities. Our friends were our church friends. The things we did on Wednesday night were regarding and related to church. And the value of family was demonstrated every night as our family gathered around the kitchen table for dinner, almost without exception. 
It was demonstrated in how my parents were present at every swim meet, every piano recital, everything that any of us did. My friends knew my parents by name and vice versa because my parents were present and they were involved and their legacy is that family and faith are important. This is a legacy that I hope that I have in common with them as I have raised my own children, been blessed as a stepfather to Jacob and Abby, and now I have a grandchild. Woot, woot. The truth is that, that surnames come to an end. They do. And my son Austin, is, if he doesn't have a son, the name Bennett will end with him. And I don't mean that as any pressure on him, but that's the way it is. Surnames can come to an end. But that isn't what's important. The legacy isn't in a name. It's in the faith. It's in the obedience and then the hope shared through the story of salvation and a life that expresses the joy of having that hope. See, legacy focuses on things that will endure. It's about passing on things of lasting value to those who live on after us, regardless of whether they are family or friends or even an acquaintance. Legacy involves living intentionally and aiming to invest into the next generation for their success in the ways that truly matter. Last week, we described this as living missionally, missional living. So what is the most significant thing to pass on to future generations? And and how should we go about it? To whom should we pass these on? So I want to open our Bible and let's see what Scripture reveals. The psalmist writes in Psalm 78, 1 through 8, Psalm 78, 1 through 8, he says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Do you see a pattern? Then they would put their trust in the Lord and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to them. The psalmist writes later in 145, verse 4, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. If we were to go back to Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, there's this commandment that says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now you'll recognize this because when Jesus was asked the question, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? This is the one he includes, and it's from Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But what comes next is what's neat. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen to what he says now. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So pretty much all the time, you shall teach these words of this great commandment. The legacy is passing down is knowledge of the Lord, what he has done and what he commands so that every generation would know them and put their trust in him and as a result, have 
hope. In Joshua 3, we find the third time that God parted the waters. Now, this is interesting because you have to think about it. He actually parted waters five times. There's the famous time. And I'm counting the separation of land from the sea during creation as the first. Then we know about Moses and the Exodus as the second. But the third time that God parted the waters is in Joshua 3. And in Joshua 3, we find the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant to the edge of the Jordan River. In chapter 4, Joshua instructs 12 Israelites, one from each tribe, to gather a stone from where the priests were standing in, um, with the ark when the water is separated. And he has them put the stones in another place um, where they were getting ready to camp. And I'm going to pick this story up in Joshua 4, verses 19 through 24. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the God is powerful and so that you might always fear, which means revere. You might always revere the Lord your God. Now, he wasn't telling them to take these 12 stones and make an altar and worship them. That's not what he said. They should never become an idol. Rather, they serve as a powerful physical reminder of the good work that God has done. He had once again delivered them. Likewise, we don't worship the Bible, right? It is a tool. We worship God and God alone. It's a tool where we find the stories of what God has done, stories that reveal the nature of God. We don't worship the cross. We worship at the cross. We worship the one who hung on the cross. And we don't worship the church. We gather here to worship the one true God who calls us together. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we find where God promises Abraham that he will leave a legacy. This 75-year-old man who, along with Sarah, had no children of their own and were beyond childbearing years. So, so this is a blessing. didn't even seem possible. And I don't know about you, but the idea of starting over at 75 doesn't appeal to me. But this isn't my blessing to have. But listen to what God says. These are the Lord's own words. He says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So let me read part of that again. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This blessing would be a far reaching beyond Abraham himself. It's not just the gift of I'm giving you children or I'm giving you a nation. He's saying, I'm going to use you and you are going to be a part of this legacy that reaches far beyond Abraham and Sarah. And here's the result. Would you mind changing the slide? I don't expect you to read all this. It's a little too much. And the specifics not as nearly as important as what the point I'm trying to make. And, and you'll see this is the genealogy, starting at God, going to Adam. And, and you'll see Abraham right there about a third of the way down, Abraham. 
okay? And, and you'll see that um, a little further down, you'll see David, and, and you'll recognize Isaac and Jacob, and you'll see Noah, and you'll recognize some of the names, but there's a lot of names in there. Nahor, Terah, Peleg, these names you probably haven't heard of, and that, that's okay. The names in between have value and a place in history. More accurately, they have a place in God's story, his story. Because the lives of these people, we may not know all the details because they may not be recorded in scripture, but they have a place and they were strategically placed in this lineage of such importance to God's work. And we, we don't get to the place of King David and others without going through some of these names that you may or may not have heard of. In fact, let's jump down to the, the legacy of, of David we talked about a few weeks ago. This is from 1 Kings 1, 44 through 48. It says, Our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent him Zodak the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, and Carathites and the Pelathites, that they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king of Gihon. There won't be a test on those names. But the story is that King David had made his son Solomon the king. And all these, these priests had anointed him as well. And it says, from there they have gone up cheering and the city resounds it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken a seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, and here's the thing. King David said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. A successor, a person to carry on this legacy. Go ahead and skip to the next slide. This slide is specific to the lineage of the house of David. Now, when you hear the house of David, that may sound familiar because this is the prophecy of, of Jesus Christ. And you'll see again, names you'll recognize, some you won't. But this is how we get to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Jesus Christ. Think back to the dominoes analogy I used a few weeks ago about the importance of each piece being placed, how and where it is in order for this plan to succeed. Look at the names of each generation from Abraham to David to Jesus. The names aren't the legacy. The faithfulness of God's will is the legacy through time. One last example from Scripture. One last example from Scripture, although there are many. I want to show that it isn't just a family thing. In fact, Jesus didn't call all of his disciples from his own family tree. Listen to the words found in Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. Now, this is the question when he says, Who do you say I am? Because other people are saying, You're Elijah, you're a prophet, you are whatever. And, he's, and, and Jesus is saying, Yeah, but who do you say I am? And Simon answered, and Jesus said, Blessed are you, because this wasn't revealed to you by people but by your father in heaven. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. So now he's renaming them. Peter, which means rock. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now that is legacy. He says, you are Peter on this rock, on you, on your belief, on your legacy, I will build my church. As you and I attend and as we participate in church, not just here on Sunday morning, but in the global body of believers that is the church, and as you deepen your faith and understanding because of what you experience here, and as you go forward and you apply what you have learned to your life, and more importantly, as you share this with others, you are continuing the legacy that was established on the rock appointed by Jesus. Let me share another illustration with you. When you leave this earth, what will people remember about you? What kind of legacy will you leave behind? And perhaps a great one, and I have a story of this man who lost his battle with cancer but won the war of souls for man. His name was Bob. Bob was a believer who made it his life's task to memorize God's word and live by it. He was known by many as the walking Bible. Being full of God's word, God never lacked a good word for anybody who needed encouragement or hope. Bob took to heart this psalm, which was, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He'd taken these words he'd memorized and he put them deep in his heart. Now, eventually cancer overtook Bob and, and he went on to heaven but not before he convinced many others to join him there with him when it's their due time. Bob didn't own a big business. He didn't start a movement. He didn't build a skyscraper. He was otherwise not very famous. He didn't even have his name inscribed on a brass plate, but it was inscribed on the book of life. And everyone Bob talked about, or everyone Bob talked to knew that was the case. Bob's legacy, what he left behind was the touching of lives. Disciples who caught the vision to memorize and to live out the word of God. A person's greatest legacy is seen in the people they leave behind. What will your legacy be? Go ahead and flip a couple slides. I found this. This is by a, an, a blogger by the name of Crystal McDowell. And she titled it, Leaving a Legacy, 10 Things I Want to Be Remembered For. First, Legacy of joy in the midst of difficulty. A legacy of joy in the midst of difficulty. People watch how you respond to things and you respond with joy. Now that's not happiness, that's joy. They want that. Legacy of receiving and giving grace. Now we all are recipients of grace. Thank you God for that. But are we giving grace? I wanna be remembered for giving grace. Third, legacy of encouraging, inspiring others towards greatness. Fourth, legacy of giving my time, treasures, and energy for kingdom work. Now, we talked about this in our offering time. It isn't just money. In fact, it doesn't even say that. Time, treasures, and energy. Legacy of modeling forgiveness. A legacy of unconditional love for my family and friends, and I'd add for everyone. Number seven, a legacy of leading and discipling people to Christ. That is what we're called to do. Number eight, legacy of hearing and doing God's word. Legacy of doing good and productive work. And number 10, a legacy of looking towards my heavenly home. Now, we've unfortunately had a lot of loss in this congregation in the last year and a half, but I know several of the people I've talked to before they have passed we're looking towards our heavenly home. 
Now, they may not have wanted to, to go there right then, and we certainly didn't want them to either, but there's a peace about knowing when you're seeking God and seeking his kingdom. She adds this, she says, if there was only one legacy I could leave, it would be the hope I have in Christ for eternal life. Every day I must live if it were the last one on this earth, considering the question, what would I bring to heaven? The answer, nothing, except what I did in the name of Jesus leading towards heavenly riches. That is truly the only thing you can take with you is the people. We should ask ourselves this question, what are the foundations of my legacy? Are they superficial things? Am I, am I known for what I accomplished or my title? Or are they everlasting things? Consider these questions as you listen to the song. It's by Nicole Nordeman. It's, it's too bad Chuck's not here because a couple weeks ago in Bible study, he was talking about Nicole Nordeman in one of her songs. And, and that reminded me of this song, which is beautiful. If you'd watch the words, Patrick, would you start the video? The song's called Legacy by Nicole Nordeman. I don't mind if you got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. Take my picture and hang it in a gallery Of all the who's who's and so-and-so's That used to be the best As such and such It wouldn't matter much
song, listen to the words of the chorus one more time. I want to live a legacy. How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? I want to leave an offering, a child of mercy and grace who blessed your name unapologetically and leave that kind of legacy. Everyone leaves a legacy, whether they intend to or not. Everything you say or do leaves an imprint of your life on those around you. You are a person of influence. As long as there is breath in your body, there's an opportunity to leave a rich legacy of hope. Will that be your legacy? Do you want to leave a grand inheritance for the next generation, regardless of their kinship to you? Then save their soul and give them hope. Let's make that our prayer. Creator God, you have created this world and you've created a legacy that began with the first man and woman. That legacy has gone through to today. And along the way, there have been prophets and apostles. There have been those who have been friends to your cause and those who have fought against it. Lord, you have used every piece to fulfill your will that brought us to where we are today. You have sent your son who gave us hope, who gave us salvation and the ability to have redeeming relationship with you. God, his legacy is what we celebrate today. It's what we participate in today. And we want to continue. We want to leave this place with the joy, the joy that we feel. Lord, with the, the understanding and wisdom of, of who you are. And we want to share that with everyone we see. Not just family, not just spouse. But we want to leave a legacy that we, as your children, are making an impact on the world and your name. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the miraculous gift of your son, the life he led, the sacrifice he made, the wonderful gift of mercy and grace that we redeem every day of our lives. Father, we continue his mission and we want to live missionally as well. May you bless this church, the global church of believers. May we continue to grow in numbers as is your will. In your son's name we pray, amen.